the island in August 2011, having done uh, 16 years with the RSPCA, doing various roles, helping in, in various areas. Uh, and I had that random phone call in life asking if I'd come to the island because they were looking for somebody apparently with some experience. I tend to just try and do the best I can. And uh, I came to the island and was just in awe of the, the possibilities and, and what was going on uh, in what is effectively a really small charity but with such high expectations from everyone around us that expect us to do so much. Yeah, so in your coming up for 12 years then in the island, yep. you're still actually only a fraction of the GSPCA story yes, because indeed. today yep. it's 150 years old for the charity which I think you've said before makes it the oldest or one of the oldest registered charities in the island. Yeah, so we, we certainly... Uh, uh, one of the first with the Association of Guernsey Charities, which I'm involved with that actually as well. But um, for, for the island, there, there's only a handful of organisations that date back to the, the 1800s, uh, and we are indeed one of them. And um, throughout that time, we've got such a rich history of helping in so many ways and being in so many different places. So we started in St. Peter Port and we moved around, uh, went up to the Rockettes area in St. John Street. Uh, but in 1929, uh, we bought this incredible site for £400, <laughs> which there's not a lot you can get for £400 these days. Um, I don't think you can buy a telly or a phone for that price. But we own all of these fields, all of this land, these 16 buildings that are around us. Uh, and we're just so blessed to have that um, because if we were try to get what we have now today in today's prices, then uh, we would need um, an absolute fortune to be able to, to achieve that. And, over the years, we've had so, so many incredible people support mm. us to get to where we are, uh, and we have some very big plans being 150th year. It coincides with the time where we're looking to replace all of the area just down past the pond here mm -hmm. to turn that into a wildlife hospital. Before we can do that, um, we're just launching the plans uh, this week for the small animal area, which will be a £60,000 project, but we've never built purpose uh, facilities for the many rabbits and small animals that we, we have yeah. and we, we've got record-breaking numbers of those at the moment uh, which is keeping us very busy. As you said you've got a lot of land here and mm -hmm. a lot of buildings but yeah. in a way it looks like you have outgrown the buildings that are here yeah. because you've got designated areas haven't yeah. you, for different animals and you must get so many different types of animals and birds yeah. and marine life through your doors now. We, we do and uh, like Things change. Like when you go back to the late 1800s when we started, we predominantly were dealing with a lot of uh, ponies, uh, the donkeys that were being used for 16, 20 hours a day. Um, we do see the occasional donkey or horse, but it's normally attached to a very caring owner mm. and they've just escaped out of a field. <laughs> now it's wildlife is the major dominant thing that we're dealing with. Three, Two to 3,000 wild animals a year. We've got over 150 hedgehogs just behind us here. We've got eight seal pups, which are a record number again. Two of them, though, are going to be released today, <laughs> thankfully. Um, but, uh, yeah, back, back in those days, there have been a lot of stray cats. We don't see so many stray cats. There still are some out there. Um, dogs as well. There were a lot of people breeding on the island. There's not so many of that today. Mm. So the times have changed, uh, and we have to adapt, and that's why we've got these build projects ahead of us. Um, but as you can see, we've had to build up in many yes. areas and we've got uh, three two-storey buildings now um, and the new facilities we're looking at. We're trying to future-proof everything mm -hmm. so that when we're all gone, the next generation can slip into those units and adapt them if needs be, but they're not having to knock 
things down like we're having to do um, as much because they were built short term um, rather than looking into the next 50, 100 years. Okay, well, this is my first visit to the animal shelter in probably possibly since before COVID, actually. Um, and the first thing that I noticed when I arrived was the different noises. <laughs> I mean, you must be used to it, but there sounds to me like every type of... I, I don't even know. Yeah. I couldn't even identify some of the animals that I can hear. Yeah. But you must just be so used to these sounds. Well, yeah, I've, I've lived on animal shelters for 25 years, mm. so. Um, uh, but this is certainly the, the most varied... Uh, of all of the shelters because you'll hear Shakespeare, the Jersey seal pup, who, according to Jeff, is the loudest seal pup we've ever had in our history. Um, we've got, obviously, the ducks and the birds. We've got owls. and uh, There's all sorts of animals living naturally around mm. us. But then you can hear the many cockles uh, that are desperately in need of homes. Um, obviously, the quieter animals like the ferrets and things that just scuffle about in their pens. But um, it, it is an incredible sight. And we're so lucky that you go over to Jersey and they've got a lovely shelter, but it's right in the middle of town. It didn't used to be, mm. but their town has encroached. Uh, whereas we're hugely lucky, not just because of our location and uh, the rural uh, environment around us, but we're right in the middle of the island, which means that when we're called out for emergencies, we can quickly get to any yeah. point without having to spend an extra 10 minutes if we were near the coast or in town, um, which is great because we're having to rescue thousands of animals yeah. every year. I mean, yeah, so you get called out in emergencies. I think yeah. you have been referred to in the past as one of the island's <laughs> emergency services, yeah. haven't you? Um, and you said about cockerels needing yeah. homes, yeah. and that's actually a big part of your work, isn't it? It's not as if the animals come in no. and they stay. No. They come in and they hopefully yeah. go back out to loving, caring homes. Yeah, and um, um, we're not a sanctuary per se. We do have a couple of uh, residents just behind us. Uh, we've got our tortoise area where Hilda, who's over 80, came into us. And she's got an interesting story because she outlived her owners. Uh, and most of these buildings have been built by incredibly kind people who've left a gift in their legacy mm. or will, which is a huge benefit to helping yeah. us look to the future and to replace these facilities and people can then make a massive mm. difference or a little one it's completely up to them but with Hilda she was actually left to us in the legacy <laughs> <laughs> so we couldn't build a building but we have built a, a tortoise area and she's been with us for over 10 years she's met uh, the last lieutenant governor she'll hopefully meet the new one and she's been to his house um, and she's met one of the princes when he came over and been to most of the school <laughs> incredibly uh, famous tortoise uh, but she is one of the residents but the vast majority of the animals here are here to go to new homes mm -hmm. or to go back to the wild or we're trying to find the owners or we're trying to potentially prosecute the owners if they have been cruel yeah. to them, um, which is one of the main reasons we were founded. We try to avoid that if we can, if we can educate, if we can work with the people. It's really beneficial uh, to, to try and help people into the future and you never know what circumstances you might find yourself in. But there are occasions where people just aren't very nice and we've seen things like the 25 Slovakian puppies which were being illegally imported through us to the UK or through yeah. Guernsey um, and those cases without us and the facilities that we've got and the, the, the teams that work within the authorities that are all working together yeah. then uh, these people will carry on doing that sort of thing. The word cruelty is right there in the name isn't it? Yes. All your t-shirts yeah. and your branding so as you said that was the ethos at the start wasn't yeah. it? To prevent the cruelty. And still is today but many organizations have to adapt and change from where they were founded to where they want to be but uh, we were set up to prevent cruelty to help strays to work with the community uh, 
educate and all of the things, all of our main aims, when you look back 150 years ago, are still at the core, at the heart of what we do on a daily basis, 24 hours a day. Um, and we've just recently, as organisations have to do, looked at our strategy and our values and our vision for the future. And when you think back to what uh, the, the Dean of Guernsey did yeah. 150 years ago with the Lieutenant Governor who became the first patron at the time, uh, all of these people were talking about things that we would still talk about today yeah. in different challenges and different ways, but how do we get the funds? How do we make a difference? How do we get the team to achieve what we need to? Uh, and it's it's still very, very relevant, um, which is incredible when you think about it. But the cruelty levels in the island are dramatically low to where they were 150 years ago. But then the demands on our services are... Well, they wouldn't have ever dreamed of us providing the cremation service for the island yeah. and going out and rescuing strays in the ways that we do 24 hours a day and the numbers of animals coming through our doors. There's no way they could have thought we'd be going to the airport to help people flying in and out with their pets. It's, it's just amazing the range of services that we provide. And the boarding that we do brings in a nearly a, a third of our running costs okay. a year. Um, and without that support from the community, again, um, you, you wouldn't have thought we would have been able to do that 150 years ago, but um, we've got a team of 50 staff, yeah. over 800 volunteers, and all of these things um, ended up us having the charity of the year a couple of years ago. Yeah. So we were fondly thought of by many. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, we can't keep everybody happy all of the time because we do have to investigate cruelty and do things that uh, might upset the occasional person. Mm. But those people often are the ones that are causing the problems and why we exist. From what you've said, from 150 years ago to today, it just says so much about that bond between mm. humans and animals. There is a mutual love, isn't there, between there humans is. and animals. And, Laura, what you just said, us being founded on Valentine's Day is, is such a, a big part of... Uh, what we're all about we we all if you speak to any member of the team they love animals uh, the volunteers the staff the, the committee uh, the people that support us we all love animals uh, and we, we we hugely care for one another and caring is all about what we are and it's a big important part if you if you look at um our, our strategy caring is within everything we, we did a big questionnaire to all of the team um during covid uh, or just around the start of it and everybody put the word caring in there uh, and love for animals um, and, and we do and we're, we're constantly trying to make a difference we have to be professional about it uh, and we have to sometimes look at things um, in a very logical way yeah. to make the best difference for, for everyone in the community whether that be looking and supporting new law legislation through to uh, helping that animal that's in front of us there's, yeah. there's, there's a huge, huge amount of love involved